Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening to you. Mashallah, it's, it's you happy but you sad also at the same time. The last few hours of uh, this holy month of Ramadan, alhamdulillah. Um, and soon we will bid farewell. But let's deal with the, the show at hand, and that is questions and answers with uh, myself. I'm Khawa Solomon, and uh, in studio with me is the resident Imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid answering your questions. Again, a big shukran for all those that are sent through the questions ahead of time. Um, and you can, t- can continue doing so on 47913 in the show. And uh, we will deal with them at the time we, we have received them. Um, but let's welcome back our Sheikh to answer your question is uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Moussa. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Sister Hawa. How are you today? Very well. Alhamdulillah. Sad though, when you just, you know, getting in the, to, into the, the wits of things when it comes to Ramadan, you don't want it to end. There's just there's the spirit alive and the feeling of, you know, um, of everything good <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Allah accept from us inshallah Amen. and grant us uh, more opportunities in the future to uh, relive those beautiful moments inshallah. Amen, inshallah Sheikh the first one reads what is the punishment uh, for a husband that has got that that has uh, that is married got married to another wife and doesn't nafaka his first wife and hasn't been with her or the kids for a year and also don't want to talaqa um, please yeah, of course, this is uh, uh, one of those situations which is very dire, yeah. where a husband, uh, you know, uh, takes another wife and he did not yet or he does not fulfill his duty towards the first wife. Mm-hmm. And we find that this is Allah Ta'ala's clear words in the Quran at the beginning of Surah Al-Nisa, because while it is okay to say you can marry two wives, three wives, that is allowed in Islam, we should not forget also in this very same verse, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala clearly states, وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ أَلَّا تَعَدِلُوا فَوَاحِدًا this is the instruction of Allah. If you are not able to do justice amongst them, then only marry one. And so this is the instruction. We should stick to one wife if we are not able to uh, afford a second one or we can't do justice or we know that we will not be able to uh, do our duties. So of course it is wrong for, for this husband to have gotten married while not even looking after the first wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, he must make right, he must make tawbah for this uh, that he has done. Uh, and also the issue that uh, he, of course, is <coughs> uh, not giving nafaka. Let's say he didn't. It's already bad if you don't nafaka the wife, even if you don't take a second wife. Mm. Right? Uh, because there's a hadith that says where the Prophet ﷺ clearly spells out to us the danger of not paying your, your, your duties and your responsibilities. كَفَى بِالْمَرْءِ إِثْمًا أَنْ يُضَيِّعَ مَنْ يَقُوتُ Nabi Sallallahu says it is enough of a sin for a person's destruction if he does not fulfill his duty to those who are beneath him. Mm. Those who are supposed to look after he doesn't do that. It is enough of a destruction for him. Meaning on the day of judgment, if such a person have no other sin mm. at all in his life, except the fact that he did not pay his nafaka towards his wife and children, in what they deserved and what was uh, the haq of this, hmm. then in such a case that person will be destroyed because of that one act of not paying the nafaka. And then of course uh, the other issue is, let's say a person gets married to another wife, but he is unfair uh, between the two. He gives more to the one than what he gives to the other. Hmm. He gives one uh, you know, lavish gifts and lavish things, but the other one is being neglected. And such a person also has been uh, earmarked 
uh, by the Prophet ﷺ to also have a very difficult punishment, and that is in a hadith that appears in the in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, where he says, "Man kanat lahu imra'atan, famala ila ihdahuma jaa yawm al-qiyamati wa shibquhu ma'il." If a person has two wives and he's got an inclination to the one to the at the expense of the other, meaning he gives to the one more than what he gives to the other. He will appear in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment And half of his body will be skewed In other words, he will be known on the Day of Qiyamah That this was an unjust man This was an unfair man as far as his wives are concerned And uh, we find our illustrious Prophet Muhammad وسلم, Who is our role model at all times If you look at the amount of care that he gave to this issue Because he himself had many wives but he was very, very particular on this. It is reported that even when the Prophet ﷺ was on his deathbed, he was very ill. And he would still inquire by Sayyidatina Aisha, hmm. whose turn is it tomorrow? You know, which wife am I supposed to go to tomorrow? I mean, this was his concern, although he was ill. Hmm. And of course, the wives eventually agreed. They all came together. They said, it's fine if he stays with Sayyidatina Aisha. He doesn't have to move around. Hmm. But this was at least what I wanted to mention is his concern of not treating anyone unfairly or unjustly. And so this is what we should tell this brother, that you have already done a wrong for getting married while you are not giving nafaka to the first wife. But let that be, okay, you are married now. Make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala and do the haqq that is necessary. You know, look after your wives, look after your children, pay them, you know, give them their duty and go visit them. And it says here that you haven't even visited the kids for a year. Sure. I mean, what kind of father is this? What kind of man is this yeah. that takes another wife, but he doesn't even care about his own kids? Mm. I mean, that is something that is absolutely unacceptable mm. in Islam. And Allah Ta'ala is not going to be happy with this. He is not happy with this, and we should encourage this, this brother to make a change in his life, inshallah, inshallah. if he knows about uh, this answer or if he knows what we are saying. Uh, if somebody can tell him at least, we hope that Allah Ta'ala will put it in his heart to make that change and to make right what is wrong. It's not too late, of course. He can make tawbah and he can come back and he can make amends. Mm. And that is what is needed at this point in time. And the last point that I want to mention in terms of the question is another grave injustice is that he is not giving any attention to the first wife and yet he doesn't want to talaqa. He <laughs> leaves her like that, you know. It's almost like yeah. to spite her or to show her I've got all the control. Mm. But what I want to say in, as far as that is concerned is just remember you are not in control but Allah is in control. Don't think Allah is unaware of your actions. You know, don't think that you can spite others or you can make it difficult upon your first wife, etc. Mm. Don't think that Allah is going to make that just go unnoticed. Okay? Because I think the, the, good, the, the, the proper thing here to do is if there was really an issue with the first wife, then divorce her so that mm. she can carry on with her life. She can get married to someone else, for example. But some people have this mentality, no, I won't give you to someone else either. I don't want you, but I don't also want you to get married to someone else. Hmm. And this is absolutely wrong. And the Quran speaks about this. We should never leave a woman like suspended. Allah calls it suspended. Hmm. A woman should never be suspended not knowing whether she is married or not married. Divorced or not divorced. There must be clarity as far as these things are concerned. And we pray, inshallah, that Allah gives hidayah and guidance to Amen. all our men folk and to our women folk that they live the deen of Islam the way that it is required from them, inshallah. Amen. Shukran, Sheikh, for that detailed answer. We really appreciate it. We come back with more questions answered. After
91.3 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Uh, beautiful days, alhamdulillah, that has passed. And hopefully, inshallah, we pray that Almighty has accepted all of it and all of our good good deeds with the intention. And, and let me tell all the women. So, you know, if you feel a little bit left out in our previous shows, the Sheikh has mentioned, and I'm sure lots of the, the Shuyu has, has said on air as well, and many messages has reiterated that, you know, let the, the natural flow of the process uh, run. And let me tell you, the sacrifices that our woman has made, um, you know, in our lives, always, you know, appreciated as children, as families and keep it together. Um, our mothers, um, there's, a, there's, there's a deeper place for them. So in every aspect, you know, husbands and a family at large and children should always respect and honor the wives and the husbands. And that leads me to, to the next question, which is similar to what we've uh, asked Sheikh just before the Sheikh. It says, Salam, if a man has two wives, but he's not fair with his one wife and children, and she talked to him, she talks to him about his children and this and that, and then he just say yes, but he doesn't really do his duty. But he also um, married uh, the one he married now. She won't say what to do with his family. She has no children from him as well, and he does not spend the time equally. Sheikh, very similar to the question before that, so just maybe reiterate, um, inshallah. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, exactly the same. I mean, if a person is not fair, you know, with the two wives, mm. there's a great consequence to that, as I mentioned. On the day of judgment, such a person will be known for this act, and also uh, the duty of the father. You know, he he is the the, the one that is supposed to be the sultan in the house. Mm. He's supposed to set the example to others. You know, Allah Taala says in the Quran, "Ya iwaladina amanu qu anfusakum ahlikum nara." Or you who believe, save yourselves and your families from the fire of uh, of Jahannam. So yeah, it means that he has to play that role and he has to set that precedent. Because imagine if he doesn't treat his wives properly, he doesn't care about the children, he doesn't uh, teach them, nurture them. What kind of families is he creating? You know, what kind of children is he creating mm. for the future? And this will all come back to him if he is not doing his duty, as the question says. And I think one difference in this question is it says here that it seems that the second wife is wanting to interfere with what the you know he should do with his first wife. Mm. And this is wrong. Obviously, I mean, the second wife should not interfere. I mean, it is the husband to decide how to deal with these affairs. Mm. And, they, you know, the, the, the second wife uh, should understand that there's always the sensitivity around these issues. There's always a difficult and awkwardness how to deal with these things. And she must also not now be insensitive mm. as far as that is concerned and make unnecessary demands or say, I don't want you to go there or I want you to do this with your son or that wife and so on. Mm. She should not do that. She should let him make the decisions mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, he made the decision to take two wives and he thought that he was in the position to do so. And yes, you can give advice, but don't demand from him. Don't say that this is what must be done. Mm -hmm. But this causes more animosity between the second wife and the first wife, the second family and the first family. Mm -hmm. It causes a huge problem for misunderstanding and for fighting and stuff like that. But anyway, we make dua that Allah Ta'ala makes easy for this particular family Amen. Amen. and all other similar families, inshallah. Inshallah. Seems to be a common problem, Sheikh. So all the best to the, the mothers and the wives in the situation. Um, the next one reads, Assalamu Alaikum. Is it possible for grandchildren to inherit from their parents' inheritance, the parents of Master 
away, but the inheritance inheritance will only be shared now. Uh, this is the, in, the inheritance that's being referred to. Um, is their grandparents left to their parents? Yeah, look, uh, for me, there will be two uh, different circumstances here. Um, if the grandparents, for example, uh, let's say, let's use the example of a grandfather. Mm. So when the grandfather passed away, he obviously had his children and he had grandchildren, right? So in order for his children to inherit from him at the time when he passed away, his children must have been alive at the time when he died. Okay, so let's say uh, grandfather passed away. At his time, at the time of his death, he left behind three sons, and they were all alive. Then, in such a case, those three sons become the heirs, and they will immediately inherit the entire estate equally. They will get an equal portion. All right, and in this case, no grandchildren will inherit because the children obviously screen the grandchildren. Mm. Now that's one one scenario. In another scenario, let's say the grandfather passed away and he left behind two children and the third child of his already passed on before he passed on. I hope that is clear. So the grandfather passed away Mm -hmm. and when he passed away, his one son had already passed away before him. Okay. Now, can that deceased son's children, who is now the grandchildren, mm. inherit from the grandfather? The answer is no. Because in such a case, what would happen is that uh, at the time when the grandfather passed away, only those who are alive are allowed to, to inherit. Of his children. Of his children. Okay. So in this case, it is only the two sons mm. that were alive at the time of his death that will inherit. The other grand uh, children of the deceased son, they will not inherit at all, mm. okay? I think what happens a lot in this situation, and this is possibly the question here, it was a situation whereby the grandfather passed away and he left behind the three sons. Mm-hmm. And all three were alive at the time when he died, right? But because they delayed the process of distributing the inheritance, to such an extent that during that time, one of the children also passed away. Okay. Okay. So now there's two children uh, and uh, two children is left mm. and the third one passed away, but that third one also has children. And that is now the grandchildren. Now, in this case, obviously, those grandchildren will inherit their father's portion. Okay. Because their father, obviously, at the time when the grandfather passed away, was alive. Was alive. Okay. So he should have gotten that portion. Mm. And the inheritance should have been distributed. Mm. But because of the delay, obviously it didn't get uh, distributed, technicalities, whatever the case may be. So that one portion, so let's say it's the three brothers, Mm -hmm. so it will be divided into thirds, one third for each son. So the deceased son who was alive at the time when the father passed away, his third will go to his children. And they will inherit it according to their portions and their, um, you know, their positions within that particular okay. family. But generally, that's not the rule. Yeah. The generally, if, if the, the father, uh, if the child passed away before the father, right? Yes, yes. Then in such a case, his children, in other words, the grandchildren will not will inherit. Not, okay. Will not inherit. But if the father was indeed alive, but the inheritance was not distributed and subsequently he died, then the grandchildren will obviously come in and inherit his portion of the inheritance. Obviously, it's a little bit complicated. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit complex, but uh, hopefully that is clear enough. Yes, yes. And also, obviously, if uh, the people need more consultation, mm. they can obviously consult with a local imam or sheikh wherever they uh, are situated. Okay, inshallah, we... we um
we pray that the Almighty grants us all understanding with Shukran. More of your questions answers is the show. I'm Khawa Sanaman Shukran for joining us and uh, we're possibly halfway through so stay with us up until the next hour. So the next question reads, Sheikh, is me and my ex-husband are talaq due to drug abuse. He delays in supporting our child. I do work and look after our child but I need advice as to how I can get him to support our child as well. Okay, sounds like a maintenance yeah, maintenance issue and I think it's always it becomes even more difficult if there's drugs involved and ish drug abuse involved yeah. because obviously uh, the person now will be spending his, his money on sustaining that, yeah. his habit and stuff like that. I think the first route would obviously be to, to, to get someone to counsel him, to speak to him uh, someone close to him, maybe uh, someone that he has respect for or someone that he looks up to, to go and speak to him to say that look even now that you are divorced you still have a duty towards your child. Maybe not to your wife, but you have a duty towards your child still. Um, somebody should give him this advice that that child will remain his responsibility mm. until the child grows up and becomes uh, a big uh, adult person that can stand on his or her own feet. Um, so in this case, that will be the first route. And uh, unfortunately, you know, this route don't always work because people don't really take to heart advice or they don't really take it seriously when someone actually comes to them and give them this kind of advice. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I would say, look, if you've got no other ways to actually get the support out of him for your child, then if the legal route is the only route that you can follow to get it out of him, mm -hmm. then I say so be it. Then follow the legal route. You know, and our courts do provide for this particular issue. Yeah. Even if it is not a marriage that is registered at the court, I do believe that some lawyers have informed me that even if it is not registered, it doesn't matter. It's his child. Yeah. It's his child and they can still claim for maintenance. So if the legal route, and of course we as Muslims, we try not to follow this route. We try not to take anything to a court and stuff like that. But it, at the end of the day, if there's injustice that is being taking place, where this child is not receiving his nafaka, mm -hmm. where he's not getting what he's supposed to get, and injustice is, is, is playing out like this, then if the only way to get it is through the court system, then that is what should be followed. And hopefully through that, the person will then realize the seriousness of the issue. And I, I do believe they are quite strict on this, especially the courts. They take this issue very seriously. And so maybe it's a wake-up call for this person as well mm. that he should fulfill his duty towards his child. But like I say, the first route would be not to go straight to the courts, but to get someone to speak to him first. Mm. Say, we don't want to go this route. We want to settle this thing and we want to have an amicable agreement. You know, something that is reasonable for all of us. The child, obviously, I can't look after the child myself uh, financially. I need the financial backup, even if it is whatever amount you can afford every month. We need that for the child. And then they can come to some agreement. That will obviously be the most uh, uh, wisest and the most suitable method in going about in trying to resolve this issue. Shukran, Sheikh. Salam, if a marriage is annulled due to a fasakh and the wife does not want to give the husband's goods back, what can be done? Example um, is maybe if the things he bought for the house um, that he's still paying for. Also, what happens to a divorce in an Islamic marriage in respect of goods bought to enhance the house and it's still in the house and the house belongs to the ex-wife, Sheikh. So belongings. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, yeah, this is also some of the tricky issues, you know, that sometimes uh, un unfold when there is divorce, mm -hmm. you know, settlements of assets and stuff like that. That's why it's always advisable when a divorce takes place that there must be on paper, you know, some kind of agreement. 
you know, who owns what and what is going to go where, etc. Mm. So that they just to save the disputes later on. But be that as it may, again, I think the question I would answer in a very similar way that I've answered the previous one. Again, good counsel is what is needed first, mm. you know, to tell this person, look, if the things clearly belong to your wife, you can't lay claim to it. You know, and you can't do it to spite her or to show her now that you, you, you're feeling sour because of the divorce. You'll just take everything. Mm. There's no such thing because if you take someone else's haq, even a strange person's haq, then you are going to be answerable for it. Mm. So uh, we, we need somebody then to, 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 to talk to him and to say to him, look, if it is established that these things belong to your wife, then it is hers. You can't take it. You should give it. And if this doesn't work, again, I would say if the only route to settle this is to go to the court or to go to the sheriff, you know, mm. to kind of put a you know, restraint or to get the, th the things out of him. And unfortunately, that is the only way to do it. You know, legally, sometimes it's the only route that, that, that works for some people. So if that is the case, then that, that is what should be pursued. Although, I, I again, I wouldn't like that to be a first option mm. because we always try to settle things in an amicable and way. Negotiate. We negotiate. We try to reason. We try to be sensible, you know, and not to, to be... Um, just to be spiteful or mm. to just be revengeful or avengeful. We don't want to be those kind of, we don't want to have those kinds of attitudes. Mm. All right. So, so that is what, what I would say. And, uh, I think if there's clarity like this, because remember, I just want to remind ourselves that when we marry in the, in the masjid on the day that we got married, what did we, what did the imam say? You know, part of the words that he uttered was, فَإِمْسَاكٌ بِمَعْرُوفٍ أَوْ تَسْرِيحٌ بِإِحْسَانٍ it means to hold one another and to be together in goodness. Mm. Oh, if that doesn't work, tasrihun bi ihsan. But you also part in goodness. goodness yeah. you know, if there's parting, don't be revengeful. It's don't be in a yeah. state where you want to spite the other one now. I'll show him, I'll give him nothing. Mm. Or I'll show him, I'll destroy him. That is not the attitude. We should try to accept and move on. And Allah knows best. These things happen sometimes for a reason. Mm. Sometimes Allah's got something better planned for you, etc., etc. So that is what I want to remind this brother of. You said in the masjid, you agree to that. You will be married in, in a state of goodness. You will remain together in a state of goodness. And if you should part, you should also part in a state of goodness. Mm. So try to have an amicable settlement. And it doesn't have to go to courts or to lawyers and stuff like that. You can do it by yourself. Yeah. And obviously, yes, if it is quite clear, there may be dispute on certain things. Mm. And they obviously... An adjudicator will have to come in to kind of see whose is it really, etc., etc. And I, I, Sheikh, if I may, just add quickly, um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this is just, this world is temporary, temporary. So whatever we achieve and whatever we have, um, you know, let's ask for better in the year after where we're going to be there indefinitely. So inshallah, you know, if it's hard to, to, to concede and, and there's too much argument, instead of bringing, making it ugly, let go. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and I like um, the point that you make that it's temporary. You know, we, sometimes we we reduce our existence and we reduce our being to everything that is physical and material. Mm. It's almost like my whole life depends on maybe these few items that I want to keep now with me. Mm. You know, is, is that what your life is about? You know, our life should be much greater than that. Mm. A few items that, you know, in fact, you know, if a person divorces, he must even feel sort of 
try. I mean, it's difficult, but you should feel, try to feel what the other person is also going through. Mm. Rather say, you have everything. I don't want nothing. Mm. Because you're also in a state of difficulty. Especially if it's a woman, for example. Because a woman sometimes is, is more or less the one that don't work always and mm. that looks after the kids. And unlike a man, he's the one that goes out. So from the, the man's side, maybe it will be advisable to say, you know, it's fine. You know, even those things that belong to me, you can have it. Mm. At least to help you, you know, find your feet. Why do we think that it is incumbent upon the husband to still give nafaka to the woman even while she's in idda? Because mm. you can't just drop her like that. Can't drop her like that, you know. And what she's used to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You can't just all of a sudden there's nothing, you know. Mm. You need to sort of still help her along and to find her feet mm. if she's going to be on her own. So this is the spirit in which we must try to to yeah. part, you know. And and I like what you said. It's not about material things. Mm. Those material things you're going to have it today and tomorrow. It's not going to give you everlasting happiness. Mm. You know, it's not going to give you happiness. You know, won't find contentment simply because you've got now what you what you wanted to get out of the uh, the marriage materially. You're not going to find contentment in that. But where you are going to find contentment is if you part in such a way where your heart is rested. Mm. You feel contented inside. You know, I did the right thing. I tried my best to walk away from this marriage in such a way where I did not become rude or ugly or mm. cause issues that was unnecessary. You know, I accepted my fate in a way that pleases my creator. Inshallah. And let us always try and look up uh, as our first example to the Prophet Sallallahu So with that, uh, a short break and more of your SMSs after this. When we stop fasting, they don't. Welcome back. Assalamu alaikum. A very good evening to our final um, slot, uh, time slot for um, the month of Ramadan. Um, after this, we'll probably move to our normal time slot on a Saturday between 6 and 7. And that's where you can join uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Mouz as he answers your questions on 47913. So please do continue sending those um, on that number. And uh, we also have our Facebook page platform, the email and the fax facility. Please call our office hours number 021 to get those details. The Next question, Sheikh reads, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Um, a good-hearted brother, always there for his brothers and sisters. All of them are working, earning money, but still depending on him. What if happens if he gets married? Must he give um, them? And then what about his wife again, mm. Sheikh? Of course, by, by him giving uh, to his brothers and sisters mm. and helping them out, is an act of kindness, of course. It is something which definitely he will be rewarded for. Um, it is something which Allah Ta'ala will take note of, etc. Okay? But it is not in this case, it is not a duty. It's not an obligation. Mm -hmm. Because he's saying here yeah, that they are working, they have got income. <laughs> but yes. it seems they're just sponging off him. Yes. Okay? So if he's helping them out, inshallah, from his side, Allah will reward him. Mm. But from their side, it's wrong of them to sponge on him. Yeah. It's wrong that they just depend on him giving them stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they, uh, you know, people think like this. They think, well, he's not married. So if he's not married, he must have a lot of money so he can give it to us. Yeah. doesn't work like that. If you are working and he's working, his money is his and your money is yours. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that he must now give you, even if he's younger than you. And I think maybe the older brothers sometimes they take advantage like this. Yeah. Because he's younger, he's not married, he must just give me every month if I ask him. Yes. No, it's, it doesn't work like that. Each one of us, whatever we acquire in this life, is, is, is the rizq from Allah Ta'ala. Right? So Allah says in Surah An-Nisa, for men there is what they acquire, and for women there is what they acquire. Mm. We all acquire what we work for. Right? So if, for example, he gets married now, then obviously the nafaka that is now required 
towards his wife, this becomes an obligation. Mm. This is not something which is just an act of kindness, but this is something that he has to do. So here there is no way that his brothers can now still come and say, look, you must still give us something and whatever. He says, no, the nafaka is obviously first priority now. He has to look after his wife and so on, and that becomes his first duty, and this is something which he has to take care of. As far as his siblings is concerned, let's say he is married and he can afford to still help them out or to give them gifts or to give them whatever. Mm. And he wants to do it out of his own. Again, I will repeat, this is obviously something which is not duty bound for him, but it is an act of kindness. He's doing it out of his own right. And uh, he, of course, will be rewarded for that. I just want to just mention to these brothers. And sisters, perhaps, I don't know if they are males and females, but if you are sponging off your other brother, which is now not, who is not married, this is something which you must try not to do. There's a hadith that says, for example, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, hmm. The giving hand is always better than the receiving hand. Meaning you must always strive to be in a position where you give rather than receive. Hmm. And in another hadith, the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam says, لا تزال المسألة بأحدكم حتى يلقى الله تعالى وليس في وجهه مزعة لحم. And I find this hadith very interesting. The hadith of the Prophet sallam says, and it appears in Sahih al-Bukhari, mm. that a person will continue to ask others. He will continue to beg and ask and want handouts mm. from other people. Until such a time when he comes in front of Allah Ta'ala on the day of judgment, this is the wording of the hadith, mm. he will not have any skin on his face left. Sure. The skin of his face will all be gone. And I find this interesting, why? Because we also use this expression. In Afrikaans we say, It's like you don't have shame. By asking and wanting. Now, if this is the case, that you're just sponging off your brother and demanding that he must give and insisting that he must give, mm. although you're working yourself and he's also working and you're doing this, then this will be the case. I mean, you will come on the day of judgment and you will be ashamed in front of Allah Ta'ala for sponging off someone else in a way that you had done. Again, if he does it out of his own, mm. then he's doing an act of kindness to you. And yeah, all of this I'm talking if the brothers and sisters obviously are working and they are not in need. If they are in need and they are poor, then yes, it becomes a duty. So now he can help them to the extent which is possible for him. Mm. He can assist them by paying zakah, by giving sadaqah, to the extent which is possible. Okay? But that is only if they are really in need for that. Shukran. And uh, before we ask the next question, we've just got a minute or so left. Uh, let's take a short break and come back with more of your questions on Q&A. Back in a moment. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We continue with your questions on 47913. A big shukran again for all the endurance and patience that you have as we get through the questions. Alhamdulillah. I see there's a lot of repeats. So what we will do, just, you know, squim through it and, and inshallah, Sheikh will advise. Um, Sheikh does, and we really appreciate the detailed answers that Sheikh does give. Uh, in studio, we have Sheikh Ibrahim was answering your questions. So the next one reads, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My son gave his wife one talaq. How long must he nafaka her? She insists she wants 
half of his wages. He only earns 3,000 rand a month. Um, and she's the one that wanted the talaq. Please give advice, Shukran. Yeah, the general rule is that the duration of the idda period would be the period in which she must obviously still get nafaka. Mm. Like I said in the previous answer, that if a divorce takes place, a, 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 a husband cannot just drop the wife like that. She can't just stand on her own feet immediately like that. But he must still supply her during the idda period. So it's more or less three months in which she must still look after her. Mm-hmm. The exception to this would be if the wife at that stage is pregnant. Let's say he divorced her and they actually found out within that Idda period that she's pregnant. Hmm. Then in such a case, he will have to look after her until she gives birth, even if it takes nine months. Because she, again, it's it's all to do with the compassion, you know. Hmm. Even if you are divorced, you must still have a, some little bit of compassion in your heart to think that this woman is pregnant. She's in need of my help and support and I must at least help her out by supplying certain things to her that she's going to need. Hmm. All right. Um, so that is the duration. In terms of what he said here, that she demands a certain amount. She demands half of his wages. Here we say, no, that is wrong. Um, the wife should not make those kinds of demands. But it, it must be reasonable for both of them. You know, the nafaka that he can afford, the nafaka that he's able to give, and the nafaka that can cover the basics, mm. the basic expenses, you know. She mustn't make uh, demands that is unreasonable or that is extravagant. Now that they are divorced, all of a sudden she wants to do things that she never did before and just expects him to pay and take his money, which already is a little that he earns. She shouldn't be doing this, okay? And the Quran instructs us very clearly where Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Talaq, Surah Al-Talaq is chapter 65 of the Quran, verse 7, Allah Ta'ala says, min sa'ati. A person of means, let him spend according to his means. Mm. Meaning if you are wealthy, then give up, give up that wealth. Don't be stingy. وَمَنْ قُدِرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقُهُ فَلْيُنْفِقْ مِمَّا أَتَاهُ اللَّهِ But the one whose resources are limited. Well, Allah Ta'ala didn't give that much wealth. Mm. Right? And possibly this person falls into this category. Then Allah Ta'ala says, فَلْيُنْفِقْ مِمَّا أَتَاهُ اللَّهِ Let him spend according to what he can afford. Mm. Let him spend according to what is easy for him. لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا مَا أَتَاهَا Allah Ta'ala is not going to place a burden on a person which is beyond what he is able to carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, Allah is not unfair with us also. So here, um, the husband obviously earning a little money. I don't think it is right of the wife to make demands how much she, she wants. The, the husband should give her a nafaqa that is perhaps according to his pocket. And according to her needs, the basic needs, like some food every day at least, you know, for that period, roof overhead if he can, and whatever is the basic necessities for him to give to her, that is what he should supply. And again, the time period will be either for the Idda period if she is not pregnant, and if she is pregnant until she has given birth. Okay, so the in the context of whether she wanted it, the talaq or not, that's still that. Yeah, that does not, if the talaq has taken place, whether she wanted it or not, if it has taken place, then obviously these consequences will take effect. Hi, assalamu alaikum. My husband and my sister are behind closed doors alone and watching pornography. She is not married. Please help, Sheikh. This is, of course, a bala and a calamity where we find two people who are adults, uh, strangers for each other, by the way, not married to each other, are doing this kind of thing. And so obviously there's two types of haram here. The one is that the two of them are in each other's company behind closed doors. Mm. So that is a major haram. And we know where that leads to. 
There's a hadith where the Prophet says, reported by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he says, the Prophet والسلام, says, لا يخلون رجل بامرأة إلا ومعها ذو محرم. A woman should never be in the company of a man all alone and no one else with him except if there is a mahram with him as well. And in another narration, لا يخلون رجل بامرأة إلا كان ثالثهما الشيطان. Whenever two people are alone in each other's company and they are strangers to each other, then it is quite certain that the third one will be shaitan. So mm. shaitan will come in. He will obviously, uh, he will obviously, uh, you know, um, convince them of certain things or speak in, in their ears certain things and try to tempt them, mm. uh, cause temptations between them. Right now, imagine this is under normal circumstances. That a woman and a man should not be alone together except that a mahram is with. Hmm. Otherwise, shaitan will be the third one. This is under no, normal circumstances. What still if they are in that situation where they are together with each other and they're still watching, watching pornography yeah. also? La ilaha illallah. Yeah. I mean, what can be worse than that? What can be worse than bringing on the wrath of Allah and bringing on the, you know, shaitan to, to come with his tempta- temptations mm. than to, to do this, you know. So that is the second act of haram that has been committed here. And to look at things that is haram and to watch things that is not beneficial, mm. to, 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 to watch things that is going to destroy your, your, your spiritual heart, you know, it destroys your, your spirituality. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu says, that looking at something which is haram, especially looking at the aura of a human and stuff like that, is one of the arrows of shaitan. If a person leaves of that, he leaves of looking at things that is haram in that way, then Allah Ta'ala will replace him with an iman that he will get the sweetness of that iman in his heart. Allah will replace that with a beautiful feeling of faith in his heart. If he leaves off uh, looking at that which is haram. And in another hadith, the Prophet mm-hmm. says that don't think, some people think, yeah, but if, I, if I'm just looking at the pornography, it's not actually doing the act. Yeah. I'm just looking. Hmm. You know, the hadith says, Al Ainu Tazni, Wal Kafu, Wal Qadamu, Wal Jasadu, Wal Lisan. The Prophet says that all your body parts have the potential to zina. To commit fornication, whether it's the eye, whether it's the hand, whether it's the foot, whether it's the body, whether it's the tongue, all of this. Because if you are listening to things which can lead you to that, then it's just as well as committing the act. Mm. If you are looking at something which could potentially lead you to that, then it's just as well as doing the act. So it is very important that, uh, inshallah, hopefully these people will uh, you know, have uh, a bit of shame in their hearts mm. and they will come to their senses to realize that it is wrong for them to be in each other's company alone. And secondly, it is even more so a big issue and haram for them to still be watching this what, yeah. filthy things while they are in each company behind closed doors. And I think this wife, she must be quite stern about it mm. towards her husband and her sister. What make it worse is it's all family. It's the husband and the sister. Mm. So she must be quite strict with him and say that Allah can never be pleased with us. You know, we are going to bring the, the wrath of Allah onto our home. Mm. You know, how can we have barakah in our home? How can we have a good contentment, you know, in our hearts and in our homes if this is the way that we disregard the laws of Allah Ta'ala as far as this is concerned? And we make dua that Allah Ta'ala give guidance to all, inshallah. Inshallah. Allah take us away from these uh, filthy and evil things and that Allah Ta'ala protect us and our children from things that are going to 
keep us away from remembering our Creator Allah Ta'ala. Amen, inshallah. Let's continue with more of your SMSs after this. Assalamu alaikum. Um, our last few minutes, and we have to cut it really short, and we just have time for one more question, Sheikh, in this part of question and answers, inshallah. So the last one reads is Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. What I would like to know what a woman can do as a form of ibadah when she has a hate seeing as she cannot make salah. Yeah, there's uh, many, many things that she can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only things that she cannot do is she cannot make salah, she cannot fast, and she cannot recite Quran. Those okay. are the only three things she cannot do. Mm. But if you were to count the things that she can do, mm. the type of ibadah that she can do, it far outweighs the things that she cannot do. Yeah, For right. example, dhikr. She can make any form of dhikr at all. Right? Mm. Tahleel, tasbih, subhanallah, la ilaha illallah. She can recite any dhikr at any given time. She can, obviously, it's a great ibadah to read and to educate yourself about Islam, to read things about Islam, to read things, uh, stories of the prophets or stories of the Sahaba. That is a form of ibadah. She can even take the translation Quran and read the meanings of the Quran. Nothing stops her from doing that. Um, those are all different, different ways in which she can occupy herself when she is not in a state of, of, of uh, being able to make salah. She can do all those different types of ibadah. Nowadays, with the you know, we are so fortunate with the uh, advancement of technology. We have lectures, we have qasaid, we have got the recitals on our phones, on our iPads, on our all all our gadgets. It's so easy, you know. Um, so even for you, technically speaking, you can listen to the Quran also. Mm. Not to recite it, but you can listen to somebody recite. Nothing stops you from that. Um, you can, for example, on your phone, you can load maybe some qasaid, some lectures. You know, that will benefit you. Mm-hmm. And this is all great forms of worship um, that you are doing while you are in the state of hayat. And like I said, when I do the question on fasting for people that can't fast, um, if you are in a state of hayat and you're not fasting, you're still in a state of ibadah. Mm-hmm. Because that is also abiding by the law of Allah. And the th- same thing applies here. If you are not making salah, you're also in a state of ibadah. Because that is what Allah requires for you to do when you are in that particular state. But I'm very much uh, appreciative of the question that is being asked because at least it shows that this woman is concerned, you know, what can I do? Mm. I don't want to sit idle. I know I can't make salah. So it shows eagerness on her, on her part mm. to at least do something that will benefit her. And alhamdulillah, I'm very, very appreciative of that question. It's an encouragement to all of us also mm. that we mustn't take things for granted and we must use our time in the best way that we can in order to derive maximum benefit. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Once again, Sheikh Ibrahim was for elaborating on all the questions that have been answered that has come through and especially to our listeners for their time and patience as the questions are answered in, in, in good time and with the appropriate answer. So all the best uh, to you, Sheikh, and your family. And once again, we will see Sheikh um, same time, same place next week, inshallah. And uh, uh, may the Almighty continue rewarding Sheikh and have the necessary strength to continue doing the work Sheikh does as well, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. And the same du'as, beautiful du'as that you made for me, may Allah Ta'ala give you the same and to all our listeners inshallah may Allah protect all of us and grant us goodness in this life and in the year after until we meet again wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Amen Jazakallah khair join us again for another edition of questions and answers don't forget to download it on iono.fm if you've missed your on your questions questioned answered from myself wassalamu alaikum be safe and a very good day to you